A warm welcome to SME Funding. My name is Lynette Mduli, and I'm the CEO of Innate Investment Solutions. And my co-host for SME Funding is Kumaran Padayachi, who is the CEO of Spartan, a business that funds small and medium enterprising. Funding, as you and I know, is a topic and a subject that is very close to the heart of business owners in South Africa. And through this program, what we hope to do is give you insight as well as very practical tips and techniques into the various aspects of creating funding applications that win. This week, Kumaran Padayachi, my co-host, and I will be discussing the different terminology that relates to funding application. We all hear the words and most times we don't understand what they actually mean. Kumaran, you work in the world of financing small and medium enterprises. And I'm sure you have seen some really interesting and inappropriately used statements related to terminology around finance. You and I both accept that most people who start businesses also haven't necessarily had a business education. But they enter a world that's very technical and a, word, and a world that's very wordy um, and relies on people's ability to understand, but more importantly, use words that refer to specific elements of everything from term sheets. See, there I am already using a term. Um, and all the way through to how they forecast and how they create these business plans. You know, it's not only uh, for people that haven't done a business qualification. In fact... Those that have done a business qualification, we're talking like a BCom degree mm. or business diploma or something like that, even in uh, honors in it, won't understand this language. Some of it perhaps, yes, if they studied accounting or whatever, but the vast majority of it is a more a trade, industry, practical language. Mm -hmm. So they learn it by doing and asking questions and researching. So it's not even something they would have been exposed to in a formal business environment so, in yeah. the first instance. Yes. We love South Africans particularly using acronyms and the world of finance is filled with them, whether we're talking about net profits or taxation and financial statements, all the way through to how we actually operate. Kumaran, let's start with a few basic words. Um, I know that in your business you use a huge glossary of words to help people like myself who perhaps don't understand them all, but others too. So let's start with some of the more popular ones that we'll often hear. Um, let's start with angel, angel funding, um, and angel investor. What do these words mean and who do they actually refer to? Angel funding and angel investor refers to uh, funding from uh, wealthy individuals that are not the founders, not the people that are starting up the business, and not family, friends, and fools. They call it the three Fs. That's, uh, technically, that's excluded from the definition of an angel investor. Mm -hmm. It's meant to be an independent, wealthy person. Sometimes they're retired, they're looking to play around, they're looking to earn a little bit more uh, interest or return on their, on their money. And so they will support a business after it's just started up. Mm -hmm. and, and so angel, angel is the savior, right? Mm -hmm. Comes and mm -hmm. saves the day. And so they may invest whether it's a loan or equity, but generally they're not going to just merely lend you the money. They're going to want some kind of a, a percentage of the shareholding of the business uh, or percentage of the profits, and they're entitled to that because they're coming in at the most riskiest uh, part. It's just after it started up. So just quickly, on angel funders, do you find that their criteria for funding is because it's perhaps individuals as opposed to institutions is a little bit more relaxed and easier to access or not? It could be. It, mm -hmm. In theory, it is. You know, um, angel investors are not naive because mm -hmm. remember, if someone's got a 
a spare two million rand to write the check and say, let's have some fun with this and see what it is. They're not silly because they would have made 20 or 30 million rand to have written that two million rand check, right? So they, they do understand business fairly well. And whilst they may not go through the full formalities as a proper financial institution, they perhaps have more insight and more understanding because of their the business experience. Mm. So, but definitely, it's 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 uh, more informal the assessment, but no 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 less sophisticated. I would and say. how developed is the culture of angel funding in South Africa? I really see very few um, VCs, and we'll get to that a little bit later. And yeah. angel funders in our economy. Right. So venture capital VCs is a something separate, right? So I'm glad you separated that. Angel funders is the world over is not really formalized. I mean, mm. in some countries, yes, there could be an angel funder association. I think there is one in South Africa, there could be. But it's, it's more, it's an informal funding base. You'd, it would work like this, you know, you would be at a dinner, you'd be telling a friend about your business, and you're saying, listen, I'm not quite ready to go to the banks yet, or quite at the stage to get a formal private equity fund. Do you know anybody that's got spare capital that is looking to you know, uh, they're bored in their retirement or whatever it is. And so it would come from the referral network. That's how angel funding is sourced. So the wider your network and the more people believe in you, the more they're likely to say, I believe in Lynette. She needs help. Hey, I like the idea. Mm -hmm. I know John here and he can, you know, Otabo and he's mm -hmm. got the check to write, that kind of thing. That, so it comes from networking and your personal credibility. All right. Kumaran, let's move on to the next one. Everybody in every business plan or forecast is often asked to write up their balance sheets. And in the balance sheets, what are funders generally looking for? They're looking for that famous equation, mm. assets, liabilities, and owner's equity. Mm. What are assets um, in the simplest and shortest term, and how and where do we fit them into our balance sheet when we draw it up for funding purposes? Okay, so the balance sheet shows, is meant to represent um, details about the value of the business, mm -hmm. right? So if a funder looks to say, this is what the business is worth, this is where the assets and the liabilities are lying, and so it's an interpretation document. Mm. And it's also evidence to see how well you're managing these things, right? Mm -hmm. So an asset and a liability in the most elementary term, okay? So an asset is something that has value. Think of it mm -hmm. as an asset. She's an asset to me. That's a valuable employee. They're an asset, mm. right? Uh, instinctively it implies a value. Now, it, this notion of value of an asset can be split in between something that is physical and tangible, mm -hmm. as well as something that is not physical and intangible. Mm. So what are the, the physical things? It could be a, a property, it could be a plant, machinery, mm. equipment, computers, a vehicle, mm -hmm. furniture. Mm. Those are the physical assets, mm. right? And so that's fairly easy to to, to understand that. And how it comes onto the balance sheet is when you write the check to buy the bucky or the furniture or the computer or the equipment, mm -hmm. then you write the check and then that value that you've written the check, it decreases your bank, which is also an asset, and it would, it would come onto your balance sheet as, an, as a little description, okay, that bucky or that furniture is on your balance sheet. So that's the physical assets. The, the non-physical, the intangible, would be things like uh, goodwill, it, could be, it mm -hmm. would be uh, your IP, so yes. if you've got a patent on something, yes. it could be that. It, and, and then it could be financial assets, right? Yeah. So it could be cash, uh, probably that's physical, right? So, yeah. so it could be cash, investments, yes. money in a call account. It could be your debtor's book, yes. right? Yes. So right. if I've sold you uh, this these, these furniture items mm -hmm. for 10,000 Rand and you said you're going to pay me in 30 days, 
you owe that to me. Mm. So that is a financial instrument, that invoice and that statement. So that's an asset, right? Mm. So all your debt is an asset and so is stock. Mm. Stock is the things that you buy to on-sell or to make something. So those are examples of, of that. Liabilities is who you owe money. Yes. If you owe your landlord money because you're paying your rent or you owe, you bought uh, the raw materials to make your assets. So, you know, and the bank and the people you've borrowed money from, those are the liabilities. The assets minus the liabilities simplistically gives you the difference, which is the net, the net value, the net mm. worth of mm. your business. That's what a balance sheet represents. All right. Well, let's she take a me. short break. Please stay with us as we continue going through the glossary of terms that we think all entrepreneurs, particularly those who are seeking funding and need to talk to funders, need to specifically know. Welcome back to SME Funding today. Kumaran and myself are discussing the ABCs of the world of funding. And before the break, we had started speaking about some of the very popular terms that are used and applied, and we're going to carry on. And on this side of the show, Kumaran is now going to test me a bit about what I know about my glossary of terms. So, Kumaran? I just want to add that uh, we're not in this episode going to deal with all the terms comprehensively. We're probably going to be, as the episodes go on, uh, periodically uh, touch base with these glossary terms and, and do a few of them at a time. So, you ready? I'm ready. All right. There's this notion, this term called book value or net book value. Mm -hmm. Can you give us some insight what the hell that means? Book value is ultimately what an asset in a business is worth after a period of time. Many of you would have heard the term depreciation. And what happens is that when an asset has been bought into the books, it goes through wear and tear because you are using it, hopefully. And as it depreciates in value, as it were, at the end of every financial year, we should typically be recording what it is now worth after it has been used and it's used its worth, as it were, to contribute to your business. So we keep in each year, you'll always see your balance sheet moving and these values around your assets, and particularly your fixed assets, moving periodically and always looking a little bit lower than they were the year before. Because elsewhere in your balance sheet, you'll be accounting for depreciation and perhaps if you're then topping up on those particular assets you may take loans um, and other instruments to use to then um, beef up the book value of new assets into your business okay well done next one so the next one for you Kumar. for me for, for you oh, okay I'll okay. take the next okay. one bridging loan bridge loan now this is always something that's really 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 useful for an entrepreneur particularly when you've just started out or as you're growing and you're taking up some really big work. And what a bridge loan effectively helps you do is to get work started. It is essentially a bridge from your inability to do work to your ability to do work. And many institutions, whether it's banks or your development finance institutions, and even specialized institutions, are able to give you funding, which takes you from a point where you've been awarded a contract, and it takes you to a point where you're then able to either buy new equipment to service a long-term contract, bring on expertise that will help you complete the project, or buy any other necessary implements and resources and bring them on board to get work started before you are actually able to invoice. And what they typically would do 
is use the contract which you've signed with your clients as their surety, as it were. And it means that at some point you will be paid. And effectively what they would then do with the bridge loan is at the moment you are paid, they would typically take what they borrowed you as part of the bridging finance and then give you the balance of it as almost your profit on a specific stage cool. of a project. Cool. So something for entrepreneurs definitely to always look at and use. The next one we're discussing is burn rate. Shall I do that? You're more than welcome to. All right. I love with this glossary that we're discussing, there's adjectives in it that already gives you a clue, right? So you, got, you discuss uh, bridging loan. Mm -hmm. The word bridge already starts telling you what it's about. And so this next one is burn rate. It's, mm -hmm. I see it's not quite uh, um, commonplace in the mm -hmm. South African landscape, mm -hmm. but I like it, you mm -hmm. know, because uh, what it means simplistically is the rate at which you burn cash in a business. Mm -hmm. So imagine this pile of cash in front of us now and you light a match to it the rate at which you're burning through that. That's what mm. it means. Let me give you an example, right? So when a business is starting off, it is uh, sometimes it doesn't have any sales in those first few months. Yes. No sales, no income, no cash coming in. Mm -hmm. However, you've got to pay salaries, rent, and some basic expenses. Let's say those expenses are 50,000 Rand. Mm -hmm. And if you go in the first month, that's 50,000 Rand in cash, burnt. Mm. Second month of no revenue, 50,000 Rand in cash, Burnt. Third month, so it goes on, right? Yes. So you would say my burn rate is 50,000 Rand a month. Yes. Right? Now, if you go on to uh, you start doing sales, maybe by month six you're doing some sales, let's say you're doing 100,000 Rand a month. Mm -hmm. If your expenses were 100,000 Rand, mm -hmm. but your sales of your t shirt was only 50,000. Yes. So you would be a negative 50,000. Yes, you'd be in the loss. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So that means that you're burning 50,000, still burning 50,000 Rand a mm -hmm. month in cash. And so, so that creates this urgency, this anxiety to stop that burn rate. Mm. But you have to know what that number is to know how fast you have to get your revenue, get your cash in, or how much of funding you need. Mm, yes. So, Kamar, this word burn rate is actually quite interesting, particularly when you relate it to cash flow, which is a word that we use quite often in our market. But it's also really um, interesting for people who've just started out a business. Often people who've quit a job to start a business and they assume that because they have six months worth of salary, six months worth of savings mm. and salary that they're um, now going to use to bridge them through the process and the period um, before the business begins to make sales. And they immediately assume that six months is six months. And the burn rate, however, on that is often not what it implies on paper yes. and on your Excel spreadsheet. Yes. Often your burn rate is yes. actually double that, yes. which actually means effectively if you've got six months saving, you've only got about three months of cash flow to keep you going until you begin to yes. make proper sales and your business is sustainable. And things always do not go according to plan. You have to plan oh, yeah. for the worst. Mm. So invariably when I have friends tell me this, I say plan for 18 months. Yes. Plan for 18 months and then to plan to sell the house after that. <laughs> no, seriously, because this yes. is commitment yes. because it will go wrong. Mm. And the language is already defeatist when they say, well, my burn rate will be six months. I'll give it six months. So I, I like to see what happens. So you give it six months and then go and get a job after that if mm. you're starting up. You've got to plan way three times as long as what you think it is. And, and it's almost like two things that have got to be accelerated. Right? Mm. You plan as much cash as possible that's needed to buffer this burn rate. Mm -hmm. And you move at the speed of light to get revenue in and get that number up to a certain level. Mm. So mm. either and, and no investor angel funder wants to fund your laziness to say, listen, no. I need a lot of funding because it's going to take me too long. You, you do plan for that. Sure, yes. that's what I'm advising. 
but you also show that you're able to accelerate. I suppose in an ideal world where your economy is growing by 5 to 8%, you can happily use realistic terms and figures. But when it isn't and it's below a percent, you've really, really got to accept that your burn rate is literally going to blitz through whatever savings and whatever reserves your business is holding at the moment. Creditors are paying later, so that also puts more stress on the business, which means then you can always estimate that, as you say, you're about to sell the house too. We're going to continue with the ABCs of funding just after this break. Make sure to continue to watch the program. Welcome back to SME Funding. We're continuing going through a glossary of terms that you are going to encounter as you navigate the complex world of funding. Now, a term that is often used um, in the world of funding is that of business plan. And we're going to call it a term for now before Kumaran and now joust about how useful a business plan is. But what is a business plan and what is the type of questions it should be ideally answering? Kumaran, I don't like business plans. Um, I don't like the idea that in front of a funder, you have placed a 30-page document that's with competing time and resources. They've got to try and read through all of your ambitions and aspirations and dreams to get to the answer for three simple questions. How are you going to make money? How are you going to pay them back? And what is the problem that you're solving together? Do we need one? Yes, you do. Okay. You can't even get it. It's a ticket to the game. Okay. I know it's a contentious issue, so let's just talk about okay. do you need one, why do you need one, and then we'll talk about what it should include, right? Mm -hmm. So a business plan, some people read it, some people don't read it. Then if they don't read it, why does the funder want it? He wants to know you've done your homework. Mm -hmm. And then he has it in the file. I'm being very candid here as yes. a CYA, cover your, you know, sometimes <laughs> that they put it in, in, into the files. And some... And a lot will take the time and study it and read it. Mm. So it is, let's look at it from the entrepreneur's perspective. Yes. It affords him comfort that he's given due consideration to all the basic thought processes that should be required to build a business yes. and grow a business. Mm. It gives him comfort, first of yes. all. So that's the most important thing. Then when he puts it before a person, a funder, it gives them comfort that this person has considered all those things. And sometimes it's a reference document in which to cross-question you, to say, you've put this in here, and why that? And it's the debate and the content and the answers and the mm -hmm. discussion that where the credibility is built and the value is built and the understanding and, and, and all of that comes from. So it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a platform document. It's a mechanism for yourself as the entrepreneur as well as the funder. Perhaps then my bigger fight with them is always, why are they so long? when really they should begin to address the points that you're raising. You, where you're saying it's almost assurance that we've thought through processes, and it's to make sure that we're still guided by something and we're still working within the parameters of a broader plan. Um, why do they turn out so long? And what should the ideal length of a business plan should perhaps be Ooh, then? How long is a piece of string? You just yeah. asked me that? Yes. <laughs> well, it, it depends. It's context. I'm a big fan of context, right? Okay. So again, it depends if a business, uh, some, some, some funders will specify the content topics they want mm. covered, mm. right? And the format. So then that will dictate the length a little bit. But it's also dependent on um, how novel your industry is, how novel your idea is. Mm -hmm. Let's say if you're doing a business plan for Uber or something like yes. that. Now someone's going to scratch their head, what the hell is this? Now you have to go a, lo a long way mm. to explain that. If you're asking for a lot of money, 
It can't be three-page business plan if you're asking for 100 million rand. No, so the content and the research and the supporting evidence mm. must also match uh, the fact that the amount, as well as if it's something that's very novel. Mm -hmm. So that's up to a discretion in terms of the length. Now, how do you get to the boring part? You know, the, how do you prevent that? Mm. It's two things that can be done. One is the executive summary. The executive summary is one and a half, two pages. Yes. Someone reads the executive summary, it's one and a half to two pages, and that's a summary, executive mm -hmm. summary, of the 30, 20, 100 page document that follows, right? Yes. And they quickly get, it's like the trailer for a movie. Absolutely. And the other thing that is not generally spoken about that I encourage is a presentation deck, 10 slides, right? Yes. So use a PowerPoint, 10 slides, not death by PowerPoint now, but 10 slides that uh, almost in an animated way holds their visual attention and you talk through the document. Infographics. Graphically Something like represent what it is that you intend to do, yeah. the, the important numbers yeah. that should come out of this business plan and what your ultimate goal um, is with it. Right. So now can we talk about content? Absolutely. Right. So content, we already spoke about the executive summary. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then it starts with the idea. Mm. What is this business idea that I'm thinking about or what is the business I need that I'm satisfying if it's an yes. existing business? Mm. So it speaks to that. Very important. The idea or the offering or the need that is being satisfied mm -hmm. or the scratch that is, uh, the itch that the is being itch scratched. Being scratched. Okay. And then it talks about for whom, the target market, mm -hmm. right? So it would say, I'm addressing this for SMEs or I'm addressing it for affluent women between the age of 25 and 45. And this is why. So it's, it's going into the target market, mm. the audience that your business is addressing. So it's mm. saying, I'm providing this for these types of people. Mm. And, and more importantly, that you understand why you're providing it and what it is for them again that you're fixing. Yeah. Yes. So if we know now what it is is being provided for whom specifically, mm -hmm. then it goes on into the marketing Yes. Uh, so it's a marketing plan that follows on. So target market, I spoke about marketing plan, right? The marketing plan is basically, now that I know who I'm servicing mm -hmm. specifically and what it is I'm doing for them, how do I promote them? Mm -hmm. uh, how do I promote my product or service to them? How do I reach them? What's how, the, to, how to speak to them, really. How to speak right? to them, that's it, right? Yeah. So that's the marketing plan. Mm. And then what are the goals going to look like, right? So what are the targets that this business is going to achieve? Mm. Operational targets, financial targets. Then it would cover the financial plan, which is your income statement. Right. How's my revenue going to go? Uh, what's my balance sheet going to look like? How much funding do I need? Yes. Um, and what is the cash flow statement? What's my burn rate, remember? Yes. Right. That so this is all elements that are covered in a financial plan. It does mm -hmm. show the numbers and it shows that you've considered how much of cash you're burning a month. You mm -hmm. have some consideration. So that's the financial plan. Then you would have something like, a, like an operational plan. If there's an operational element, if you're doing operations yourself or you're outsourcing it to someone, mm -hmm. who's going to, am I outsourcing to China? Am I building a factory? What is, is mm. a call center? Mm. What are the operations aspects of this mm. business? You mm. know, in simplistic terms, mm. so we can get a feel for it. Uh, then, aside from that, it would be the people plan, right? Just yes. think about who are this magic team, this dream team that I need. Because you'll say, you're very ambitious with this plan. You and whose army is going to bloody achieve it? So you tell them who the army is. I'm, mm. I've got these fellow executives, and as the business phases through the years, I'm going to hire these types of people and these quantities. So that's the human resource uh, plan. Uh, you may have an R&D plan, and the rest of it is, is nuanced based on what 
uh, industry the business is involved in. But I've covered the, the basic content. Please, 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 may we not forget two other things. Tell me. Attaching timeframes to all of the steps that you've just described. Yes. And of course, a risk management plan. Um, things always go wrong in business. Yes. And with each one, you can immediately see the areas where things may not match a time plan right. or a target or a specific milestone. SWAT. You may not they call find, it the SWAT. Well, you may not find skills, so attach that to that too. So I like the idea of that. All right. Kumaran, as we do each week, you always offer us something smart, something practical to end the show with. What is your tip of the week related to funding? Uh, it is do not outsource your business plan. So business plans that are outsourced will come across as fake you will come across as incompetent because you don't know the content of the document and then you, 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 you damage yourself at first base. Mm -hmm. So research the elements of a business plan, get comfortable with it, get some coaching, spend some time drafting, crafting, showing some people, let them rubbish it, let them critique it and then do it yourself. Two things that happen. You're going to be really confident about building your business. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't be able to build a house without a plan, right? So why no. would you build a business without one? So, and you make yourself comfortable and confident. And second, you're going to make your funders uh, comfortable as well. Do not outsource it. Rather, don't do it if you're going to outsource it. Thank you very much to you, Kumaran. That's it for today from us at SME Funding. As always, you're welcome to send us your thoughts, your questions, as well as your comments to smefunding at bdtv.co.za or to ask and post some of your questions on our Twitter account at funding underscore SME. We may not be able to answer all your individual inquiries, but we will certainly make notes of them and try to incorporate them into our future episodes and discussions. Until next time, it's a goodbye from us and the team.